We're going to go on a journey on this one. New Zealand can improve its performance and our people can get happier. The topics, we talk about the suits that come in and talk to the government and influence their decisions. We talk about the democratisation. They decide to abuse their power and their access to government systems. On people's identity and being able to express themselves and feel valued and how you scale that. So the government went, well, what we have to do with tomorrow's schools is we have to teach people at the level that they are. Sounds great, doesn't it? You know? We talk about recruitment, organisational management. We talk about unpacking values and vision. Most organisations have their values on the wall, but they don't take them down and actually live them. If you keep making the same mistake when you know, well, then you're an idiot. And we really highlight the challenges that come with trying to develop yourself in this world, the systems as they are. People need to change their viewpoint on that, you know, because if you realise that you can't actually be wrong about something you didn't know before, I mean, that's just folly. Yeah, so you're actually wiser and more intelligent when you discover you didn't know something. And so it's cause for celebration. You know, it's like, oh. This is a fascinating one. Polarizing. Interesting. So, enjoy. All right, we'll, get, we'll just jump into it, eh? Okay. We're good. So, I have no idea where this podcast is going to go. All right. But, uh, I guess... I guess maybe starting. What what you what what are you doing? What are you doing with your life right now? What, what am I doing? What with brings my you life? joy, or what's your profession? Or I'm doing the same thing I've been doing with my life probably for uh, thirty years now. Yeah. So um, I've got thirty seven years in human resources, and which morphed into human capital um, from HR. So human capital uh, takes a person beyond just the employment relationship into how they behave at home when they go home and how they interact with people in society so it's human behavior 360 degrees multi-dimensionalized is human capital um, I wanted to focus on fairness and uh, I wanted to move people focusing from bias and discrimination on grounds of personality into focusing people on actual ability to do things. Um, and that's the behavioral approach. So started focusing on behavior in the early 90s. I had um, a couple of recruitment companies that specialized in behavioral approaches and we applied that across the board. And so that's how people do what they do. Um, so, mm. you know. I'm just smiling because uh, off air people, we're, we're, there's potential going to be controversy at some point in this podcast. We don't know when. Um, okay, so there's this recruitment component that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then I guess you recognize that there was a hole in what, how it was being delivered or how it was serviced like with organizations or what led to the realization about human capital? Uh, well, it started when I was uh, phoned up by a client and asked to discriminate on the grounds of somebody's race. They said they didn't want any of those types of people working in their company. Mm. And normally, what types were they? Uh, they didn't want any Maoris oh, working yeah? okay. in their company. So they said they didn't want this. And, you know, I'd been in HR for seven years. I was very successful at it. And um, agencies were quite often used to give people what they wanted. Mm. 
Um, but six weeks earlier, my first child had been born, and he was part Māori. And it was the first time I actually felt discrimination. Hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to do that, and the company told me I had to, and so I left and I formed my own company and started investigating ways to actually recruit uh, people based on their ability rather than any bias. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, there's so many cans of worms. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you like on the HR thing? Because I've never really had an HR department. It's like mm-hmm. a dog or something. Like people pat it and then, oh, look, this is our HR people. Mm. And from what I've heard of people in corporate, it's like, like my friend, she, her mother was, you know, looked like she was going to die of cancer. And they brought in this HR person after just being told by this one person, hey, we want you to stay, just take as long as you need. But then the next day they get a book an appointment with the HR person that's like this robotic, um, mm-hmm. emotionless. Well, I have a controversial view on HR oh, go on. people probably. More controversial. <laughs> Let's start off with something. Well, no, what I think is, is I think HR departments and organizations are tasked with mitigating risk hmm. uh, for the organization to be sued for any breaches to any laws that relate to employment. Uh that's not what HR should be. Hmm. Uh, HR should be about um, defining an organization's values and what they stand for and then uh, cascading that through the organization and rewarding people not just for uh, what they did but how they went about doing it and contributing to their culture. Most organizations have their values on the wall but they don't take them hmm. down and actually live them. Hmm. Um, and so I went about developing and inventing a system that enabled you to take the values off the wall, define them in behavioral terms, and then provide all the supporting documentation to manage somebody against that. So that when people are performance reviewed against their job, they're performance reviewed against something they agreed to and that they understood and that they saw was necessary and in alignment. Uh, to do that in an organization, it's an administrative nightmare. I mean, if you're going to recruit for values, you need to know how to identify those values in a person and predict whether they're going to exhibit those in your organization hmm. or whether they have behaviors even like a, a behavior to learn. Some people don't have a learning behavior. They don't know how to learn. They've got blocks from past experiences that, you know, push back against them. And, you know, we have in our education system some very basic ways of learning. Um, We have pedagogies, which are a pedagogy is a way of learning. So we have the basic ones. You might have heard of them, you know, like the audio one where people learn from listening. Mm. Uh, We have the visual one where people learn from seeing. Mm -hmm. We have the kinesthetic one where people have their feelings acknowledged and share and talk about those things and move through into thought. Um, They're the basic. We have about four that we basically use. But the Queensland Education Board did a study into it and they identified about 24 different learning pedagogies. So the people learn in different ways, but our current system... Uh, doesn't actually, you know, it's not needs-based for learning. It's, yeah. You know, it's sink or swim based. 
there's um there's so many things to unpack there because one like i like the analogy of the education is a tree and you know you got a dolphin you got an elephant you got a cheetah you got you got a chimpanzee yeah and you like climb the tree yeah and that's how you measure your success when the dolphin it might not have been a fair race but then the other thing you talked about was actually defining uh, values in a systemized way, which I've never heard of because mm-hmm. I've only ever helped, you know, up to 15 staff, which you can just talk to them. Systemizing, no idea. Mm-hmm. So how do you <laughs> systemize well, this values? Is, well, this is it, you see. Businesses are run by systems, not people. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't have a system, once they get up to about 20 or 25 people, it usually falls over. So it makes yeah. it very difficult for a small to medium-sized enterprise to actually break into the big things because they've got people running the business. And that means um, a way of managing might be one way a manager manages, but then you'll have another manager in the company and they'll manage differently, and another manager managing differently again. And so suddenly you have you know, three or four theories and practices in managing, and that then makes the people in the organization who report to a poor manager you know, on the left foot, you know, because they don't get the same opportunities for empowerment or development. Hmm. Um, And the organization itself doesn't get a good return on its investment in its human capital because they're not actually managing their resources that well. Whereas if the managers had a consistent way of managing and a consistent theory and practice, then you could get consistency across the organization and everyone gets a fair shot because they're actually managed consistently in a way the same way. Mm. Um, it's a bit of an art, like, because um, like I acknowledge I have so many biases. Like, someone will blink at me twice and I'll be like, you remind me of Barry from fucking 1996, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So then, and then you think of the staff members doing this and then you might feel a suit. they might sway you and be like, oh, this is my struggle and you're like, oh, I'll pay you more instead of making like a systemized fair approach based on competency. So how do you actually, how does that work? Like, you, you how, let's get in the nitty gritty. Like, how the fuck can you systemize well, let, let's, let's get in the nitty-gritty and understand the, the product that yeah. we're dealing with. And the, the product is a person, basically. Yeah. Yeah? And so I, I like to think of it this way. If you if you want to play with me for a minute and the, the people listening want. can play along as well. Yeah. Yeah? So I just want you to imagine a tree. Okay. Yeah? Any tree. Yeah. Yeah? Think about that tree. Think about where it's standing and how tall it is and what it's leaf structures are like i mean mm-hmm. does the tree even have leaves has leaves yeah. what, what is the bark like on the tree and you know is it smooth what's the root structure like how far out do those roots extend under the ground you know and what's the weather like around that tree yeah okay can yeah. i ask you what your tree is yeah, like you can ask me what you want like, yeah fuck. yeah 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 what's your tree like so it's um i don't know what they're called but like it's this big trunk with um like like bark that's like uh sort of gritty mm-hmm. you know like you pull it away and it mm-hmm. sort of falls off and then you've got um a huge root system goes out and big like green leafy um leaves mm-hmm. and like it sunshines out and it's just like where you'd sit under and read a book yeah okay uh, now if i ask somebody else what their tree's like and i bet none of the listeners had your tree <laughs> yeah yeah let us know <laughs> yeah but the interesting thing is is that I use the same words, yeah? 
and yet you had your own tree, mm. and each of your listeners did. So you can see that irrespective of whether you even defined your values or not, the interpretation of those values is going to be interpreted your way, just like when you blinked, that person blinks at you and they <laughs> reminded you of Joe Bloggs yeah. or whoever, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah? So language is very inefficient, quite inefficient as a way of describing things. And like you talked about a dolphin before, well, when dolphins go out, you know, they send out a sonar message and then they send out another one and it hits the other sonar message rebounding back that they'd sent out and it actually translates into a three-dimensional picture. And they go, oh, okay, beach over there, trawler over there, school of fish over there, yeah? And then when they go up to another dolphin, they don't actually describe that in their tree. They actually give the interference pattern that they just got back to the other dolphin and they see it exactly as it is without any interpretation, yeah? So quite a highly sophisticated method of communication mm. compared to us, yeah? Whereas we actually intellectualize and describe things and some of us understand words better than others and quite often many people use words that aren't appropriate even for what they're using them for <laughs> and they might have poor diction and that even makes it worse, mm. yeah? So... You know, you can't measure anything unless you've defined it. Mm -hmm. And that includes like a value or a definition or an understanding of that. So getting things on the same page so that people understand them is what part of having a values-based thing is about. It's so that people actually can describe and understand what things are, yeah? Back in the late 90s, um, I was working with an organization that had asked us to massage about 18,000 employees' performance reviews to assist them in a restructure. And when we started looking at all of this performance data, we came to the realization that about 4,000 managers had created this data on these people. And yet when you looked at leadership, one manager thought it was empowerment empowering people another one thought it was controlling them another thought it was about delegation mm. another you know and so on and so forth so even the intellectualizations of the meanings of the word leadership were so vast that it made the information and the performance reviews useless because we had all these different views on what the same thing was so you know, you can study what a banana tastes like, but you really have to eat the banana to know. Mm. And it's the same with values work. People actually have to do it and experience it to understand it. Yeah. You know, we, we get our cars serviced, but do we service our people in the organization? And yet they're our biggest expense, right? And yet we don't. Mm. You know, and then there's this expectation that they understood my tree. They knew exactly what my tree was and they <laughs> didn't do what they were told. And yet it doesn't necessarily mean them mean that to them, mm. you know? That's in, yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, my, my approach is sort of like um, if there's a failing on the side, like naturally my insecurity would be like, oh, it's all their fault, blame them. And But then my when I intellectualize and think about it, I'm like, okay, everything's my responsibility. How did I contribute to where that point is? Either hiring or training or developing. It's interesting on the core values 
and how you talked about the interpretation of a word like even even there was a study they did with eyewitnesses and they're like every the social group would influence what the actual eyewitness saw and they would say oh it was a green shirt mm -hmm. what they saw was a red shirt and they're influenced by that person or by that group yeah well it goes about it's more of a um a systemic issue yeah, it's it's the method of education and things that we've been using. You know, we we educate people that there's a painful consequence for getting things wrong. And so the problem is, is these people grow up, you know, whether it's a smack from mum, a, a detention at school, humiliation from their friends, or whatever the consequences for getting something wrong, for not sticking with the group, or... Mm complying to it and so then these people grow up and they go into work and people are more concerned about not being wrong than understanding what somebody else is talking about mm. i mean think about one mm. of these 16 people you talked about that you employed before mm. yeah if you went to talk to them about performance in their job how much time do you have to spend first trying to get your point across without them continuing to try and tell you why they did what they did you know, and there's this huge focus on not being wrong as opposed to learning what's important, mm. you know. And and it's all because of this subconscious fear that there's going to be this painful consequence for being wrong. And so the way in which we develop and learn, learn and, and the way in which we develop others and help them learn uh, needs to be looked at. It needs to be changed. It needs to be something that is far more participative and accepting. Interesting. So on that, if you had all the money in the world and unlimited resources, mm -hmm. how would you change the education system? And just to push back on um, one thing was um, I agree the you know systematic contribution to the fear of consequence would play a part. Mm -hmm. I also believe that um, status is a huge component of humans, partly why we can see the white eyes, so we can interpret emotions. So we might, irrespective of that system, still be fearful of the consequence of social mm -hmm. failings. But yeah, what would you do on uh, education system? Are we talking You're about New Zealand's one? Whatever the fuck you want. You're a dictator <laughs> of the world. <laughs> uh, well, first I would look at um, top-down. Okay. So at the moment in New Zealand, we have a terrible problem with our education system. Um, we have moved to tomorrow's schools, which... Uh, some people will trump it as a great success, but it isn't a great success. Uh, they moved from, um, in the 80s, they had this way of teaching, which was, you know, okay, everybody, we're going to do lesson 15, page 4, uh, exercise 3. And everybody opened their books in class and everybody learnt it. And that was the way it was done. And, of course, there were lots that couldn't learn in that system. Mm. So the government went, well, what we have to do with tomorrow's schools is we have to teach people at the level that they are. Sounds great, doesn't it? You know? Mm. Do you know the differences in the behaviours required from a teacher to suddenly go from a dictatorial approach of open your textbook on this page to go to this lesson to do this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... People left the teaching profession in droves because they didn't have the behaviours necessary mm. to run multiple classes in the same classroom at the same time, which required different teaching skills. Mm. 
and in their infinite wisdom, they also decided to deregulate teacher training at the same time. So they put it out to about 16 different places could teach people to become teachers, not just the teachers' colleges that they had. So not only did they change the necessary requirement to identify the teachers that had the behaviours that would make them successful in teaching this new way of delivering a curriculum, Mm. but they deregulated all the expertise of teachers training teachers as well at the same time so New Zealand lost all its teachers they got stressed out and left yeah at the same time they did this they decided to put out some aspirational standards for teachers to uh, achieve um, how they're to be but they didn't have a consistent theory and practice across all the schools so they had over 4,000 principals deciding uh, what uh, involvement of whānau meant, for example, mm. in, a, in a standard, in a framework of standard for the teachers. So some schools thought that meant you could have parents sitting in the classroom and they could participate with their children. Mm. Others meant it wrote a newsletter home to, to, to the parents and so on and so forth. So if a teacher left one school and went to another school, they were at the mercy of that principal and assistant principal of that school. It's been a real stuff up and it's a real mess. So we've got these people, monkey see, monkey do, arguing, feeling uncomfortable and dissatisfied in the way that they're managed and not appreciated in their jobs trying to teach our children how to feel appreciated and successful in learning, (laughs) right? Mm. It's not a good, it just, I mean, it's nonsensical. It's ridiculous. So if I was to start, I would start on how teachers are managed and performance managed in schools. You know, at the same time, they went and put all these boards of directors in there where they had, you know, mums at home and, all sorts of people that wanted to keep busy go on boards to try and manage these teachers who were a law unto themselves because they're not teachers and they don't know. And quite often the schools have been run by the principal with a yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir board of directors. Yeah. I don't know any of this, so you get fired up there. Okay, so better, you know, a better structure and process for helping the the key people um you know, be better leaders effectively, better coaches and supporting the kids. Yeah, well, it's about um, people function really well when they understand. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they know, you know. Like you put a person under stress, they want to be told what to do. Mm. You take stress away, people like to make their own decisions. Yeah. Oh, well, there's something you could unpack that, eh? About the, the use of fear in government policy. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's about diverting attention. Mm. Yeah. Whenever there's a major thing go down, look for the secret. Look look what's going on elsewhere. What's the diversion? What's really going on? Any diversions you've come across lately? Lots. <laughs> I don't know. Where, I, you can go wherever the fuck you want. It's up to you. I just Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I could. <laughs> um but no, people people want to know what to do. And mm. and so anyway, when I started looking into this behavioral approach in, in recruitment, mm. I then started looking at performance managing people against behavior. 
and ways in which could really inspire and uplift people to go beyond where they thought was possible in their job. And this um, morphed into, you know, how they, the impacts that this sort of way of being managed affected them at home and in their personal lives as well. And it was astounding uh, how impactful uh, working with people behaviorally in an organization was and the impact that it had on their lives and at home. And that enabled me to widen the system out um, and start looking at its use in schools, um, in personal relationships, in you know your own life. I mean, people don't often have the time to work on themselves. You know, they work in themselves, you know, busy mm. in their life doing things, da, 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 but to actually step back and look at maybe what their goals are, what's even important to them, uh, even learning how to mm. step back from oneself and, and look at what you've been doing and where you're at and to do uh, some sort of assessment on your own life and make a choice about something. Like people find it impossible mm. to make choices sometimes. Yeah. They don't know how to. Yeah. They just want to make sure that they're not going to be wrong, right? And so they become compliant and then dissatisfied. Mm. There's so many like um, so so many people. I think of like the average life of the average person. You know, in the sense of they go, go to a job they hate. They have meaningless connections and relationships because no one actually truly knows who they are. And then they go out on a night out to medicate those that pain just to start again on Monday. Mm -hmm. And you just think about um, that fear of change or that fear of acknowledgement of an emotion or to be introspective of themselves mm -hmm. lives a meaningless existence. You know, and I think about, because that's what drives me is to give every person the opportunity to live a fulfilling life. And I was tossing up between um, parenting from the ages of zero to three, because that's when a lot of the identity is, you know, mm -hmm. shaped and defined. Or businesses, because businesses, you spend a third of your life there. So if you can create a safe, um, inclusive space where people can express themselves and do fulfilling work, then you could have a, a meaningful contribution to their life. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you think is stopping people from doing that introspection? to reflecting and facing the gargoyles of their mind, you know? I think if, I, th I think mainly they just don't know how to, mm. you know? And a really interesting thing about not knowing something is that it flips them into thinking that they're wrong, yeah? And people need to change their viewpoint on that, you know? Because if you realize that you can't actually be wrong about something you didn't know before, I mean, that's just folly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you're actually wiser and more intelligent when you discover you didn't know something. And so it's cause for celebration. Hmm. You know, it's like, oh, right, okay, I know this. I mean, if you keep making the same mistake when you know, well, then you're an idiot. <laughs> but, but you can't be wrong for not knowing something. And this is how learning has to change. Learning has to be about... Uh, growing and developing and celebrating even being wrong because it means you're wiser and more intelligent 
finding out something you didn't know before. Hmm. Um, so that systemic foundational infrastructural problem we have about the method and way that we teach and learn is what needs to be addressed and uh, you know we the current way that we're structured and the current way that we do things uh, is only making it worse hmm. you know there's quite a I mean a lot makes a lot of sense from a framing standpoint you're like you know I, I'm I'm not dumb or I didn't make a mistake. I just didn't know, and that's a great thing. I yeah, should, yeah. Now I know more that's because right. I asked. How, how do you? So, like, you think of you know, there's business owners. They're under stress. They're thinking financially. They have degrees of separation. So you know, they're not that empathetic to the plight of the person on the you know mm-hmm. on the front, so to speak. Mm-hmm. How do you make more of a, a conscious effort or create a systemized way of encouraging the exploration of knowledge and truth? So if if you're looking at it from a business's standpoint or somebody who owns a business and yeah. because what you were talking about what a business does it isn't actually the business doing that it's the individual employed in the business mm. doing that the problem we have a lot of the time is that our businesses are are run by in New Zealand, predominantly small to medium-sized businesses. Mm. And these individuals that run the business run it from one single entity Mm. of themselves. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Whereas it shouldn't be, right? They should have their hat on as an executive in the business, and then they put their hat on as a director in the business. Now, directors work on businesses, not in them. They look at structure, governance, systems, processes, mitigation of risk, and legal compliance. The people in the business work doing the business, yeah? And then there's another one, it's the shareholder. It's the person deciding whether they do that. And then there's the person who owns those shares, that is the director, and that works in the business. And that person is not either of those three things, Hmm. yeah? That's Ryan, Right, And he has his own goals and his own things because predominantly you only own a business to sell it, right? Mm. It's an entity that you create with systems, processes and things in it so that it is sellable. And then people can pick it up and follow those systems and carry it on. Businesses don't have good resale value when they were lifestyle businesses and Mm. the people that owned them ran it as if they were the business, you know, and we call them limited liability companies for a reason because they're not the person. Yeah. And yet they run them as if they are. <laughs> right. And that that's that's the thing. So it's just a learning. Yeah. Now the the system that I've developed that um is an online system which enables people to create all of those defined things with different goals and descriptions and behaviors and they learn how to do this and it gives them space yeah and enables them to widen back and realize they're not the being they're being or they're not even the company if they're being that yeah mm. and there's something far more magnificent that can actually see all of those things as art pieces like they're going to go work on that piece of clay and then they're going to go work on that one, you know? Hmm. And if they mould it right, they can sell it and get a profit. 
And if they get really good at making it, they can duplicate them. Maybe franchise them, open other branches. I don't know. But they're not it. Yeah? Yeah. And it's learning that. You know, but sometimes people are so in themselves, <laughs> they can't even see themselves. Oh, yeah. You know, they're only their thoughts. You know? Yeah, I see. Um, so I call a lot of like either medium or one man bands. I don't really go corporate because I don't really fit in with corporate. Mm-hmm. And um, there seems to be like a, a, sh- uh, a limiting belief for the one man bands, which is around the delegation or the trusting of others mm-hmm. or the inability to learn to an ego. Which, you know, I have all these things at different times. And then you get to that, that mid-size component, which, you know, you talk about systems and processes and not it being driven by the person in, in the front. I'm just, I'm just curious if we could go in depth on like an example of how you might apply your system in an organization. You could ask me questions and I could either be the business or pretend to be it, or you could just use a specific thing that you've got if you want, because I just find if you... Well, I think I think you is the perfect example. Okay, all right, so, let's do me. Yeah, but I don't know what we're doing with you. What what are, what are you doing? What is your business? Well, uh, essentially, it's uh, I grow service companies mm-hmm. using video, mm-hmm. and the only thing they need to handle is the recording once a month, sixty mm-hmm. minutes, and yeah. then turning up to the sales calls that we book. Yeah. But what is your business? What is it? Yeah, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Uh Record videos with people and put it in social media and then call those leads and book the mm-hmm. appointments. So you're a video production company? Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh-huh. It's changed a few times. you see my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Practice. As of yeah. Sunday, this is what yeah. it's doing. Yeah. But, but you're very much that, aren't you? What? The video production company. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah. I think I my mean, biggest talent is helping people feel comfortable to express their true thoughts in a way people want to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you're talking about how you do your business. Yeah. Yeah, which is not your business. Okay. It's your life, isn't it? Bail me and up. And how, how you, I'm not, I'm not bailing you up. But you're welcome you to if you no, wanted to. Why would I bail you up? I don't know. It makes for good content. <laughs> I don't know, right? It's your, it's, it's your life. I mean, I don't know what you want with your life. I mean, can I ask you a couple of questions yeah. about you? Whatever you want. Okay, so what's your name? Ryan. Ryan. And what do you teach people, Ryan? Ooh, how to live fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I ask questions about themselves that will mm-hmm. help alleviate what's holding them back. And why do you do that? Um, because I, it gives me satisfaction to, to help. Well, essentially it comes from being abandoned as a child and getting value from helping people. Is, so it's harder to get rid of me if I'm valuable. Okay. So how you do that is you make yourself um, indispensable. Indispensable. And also I struggled with my own mind, so I like to help people with theirs. Okay. So. (laughs) Is that where it's meant to go? Sure. Well, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. There is no no meant to go, right? It's it's your tree. Do you know what I mean? And it can be as pretty as you like or as fungus ridden as you like as well. And it's entirely up to you. Yeah. But yeah, so how do you know you've been successful doing that? Uh, I guess they take a positive step in their life and you see a noticeable change in, in how they approach things would be the measure. 
I don't necessarily need to achieve giving everyone the opportunity of fulfilling life. I just like the pursuit of doing it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's the individual, it would be seeing, hey, they had this limiting belief and now they've taken a positive step to rectify that limiting belief. Wow. Right down to a belief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I, I love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... You know, you experience what you believe, unless you believe you don't, in which case you won't, which mm. means that you did. So having a belief around it, it's really important. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I started the marketing company just to reach more people, just so I know how to do it. That's why it's been sort of all over the place. Mm. But I've never changed what I wanted to do. Right. Just the, the vehicle's been a bit fucking rocky. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Left to. That's yeah. why I did finance too, because money's an important part of fulfilling life. So I mm-hmm. just learned that to be an advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I use that process just for people to understand their life purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, you got your purpose. Uh, um, whether a business is the appropriate vehicle for you, I don't know, unless you're diversifying and letting people, you know, go further with this work that you do. Um, you know, one one might wonder if you wanted to be a you know counselor or yeah i mean like that's limited to 20 people a week um and i enjoy it and but i just feel like i'm not doing anything really worthwhile um in terms of this if if i understand how to reach a large amount of people yeah um the next thing is to create a scalable way to help people with fulfilling lives yeah yeah, so yeah I'll, I'll make it a business for sure nice yeah <laughs> so you're uh you have a business plan no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Do you have your own goals? Nah, I don't I don't really get any satisfaction out of goals. I like the vision. I'm like I'm just like how am I working towards that? I've got core values that I live by and yeah. that's you've defined those? Yeah. Yeah. Um responsibility, authenticity and empathy. So what's responsibility? What does that look like? Uh, taking responsibility for your actions. Um yeah. what that looks like is if there's um a mistake where it's easy to blame a client for when in actual fact it's it's the process of you taking responsibility first before blaming others mm-hmm. so in the instance of a client if we fuck up we got to tell it and we take take it on yeah. the chin that yeah. would be yeah some people might call it integrity yeah depends yeah yeah because that's what i was thinking in my head you're like that leadership thing goes 10 different ways and like how am i defining it so yeah it's yeah good. yeah so defining it, so so far we've got responsibility as own your fuck-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Now, you, you were proactive with owning it too, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Don't just say it, do it, yeah. 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 So when something goes wrong, what do you do? You 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 think about how did I contribute to this going wrong? Uh-huh. Do you timeline it or something? Uh well, like in terms of like uh, two days or I don't understand. What do you mean timeline? Well, there's a chronology of events that led up to something going wrong. Like do you go through the timeline oh, and yeah. look at what you could have done at a different time in that chronology of events? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so from when the outcome that was unfavorable happened, thinking back on how you contributed to that mm-hmm. um, and just using that as the first point of cause, like how can I take responsibility for this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say you see yeah. that and try and look for 
Has there ever been a time where you've done that, that there was something that the other party did that... Yeah, so, so there... And then you took responsibility for their thing, even though it was theirs? No. 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 So it has happened. Yeah. Um, what I would say is it's a combination of boundaries. So you you being clear on if 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 they have mucked up, you still you know they're still accountable to their mistake. Mm-hmm. You're also you're just seeking to see how you contributed to that mistake. Either it's a miscommunication, either it's you know you didn't hire the right person, yep. you didn't train them the right way. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're still accountable. Mm-hmm. You know you don't take responsibility for things that aren't your fault. You just have a continuous learning methodology applied to what you do yeah yeah just always essentially what it is is i tend to play victim and blame others is my um default yeah and so to counteract that i err on the side of extreme ownership Mm -hmm. and like to surround myself with Mm -hmm. people that take responsibility Mm -hmm. so sucker for punishment sucker for punishment very (laughs) resilient Yeah. (laughs) yeah so how do you find people that share that behavior um, or value, as you call it? Because that value is made up of many behaviors. You know, it includes, you know, some initiative, some personal organization, because you've got to be organized and structured for yourself to even look back at yourself and how you did that and why you did that. There's some initiative. Yeah. Um, there's some rapport with others because you're going to have to chat to people, mm. communicate with them. You're going to have to have good listening skills as well to even identify what went wrong to review that and do that. Mm. So those values probably define about 10 or so different behaviors as well to actually be that value. Yeah. yeah. How do you uh, look for people with that value? And with those behaviors to work for you so that they're aligned to you. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is acknowledging that it's a rare thing and that it takes time as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how I hire that is there's certain scenarios. I'll be like, what would you do in this? It would be an example of what's actually happened in the business. Yeah. Um, then it'd also be them in the implementation of it. So when they become a staff member. Um, you can also consume their content and how they deal and is the content related to, you know, blame the government, blaming that, blah, blah, blah. But it's just acknowledging that they're on a journey um, and you're helping support them take more responsibility and you do that through me being an example of it. Yeah, but how do you, like, choose a person to work for you that's going to be aligned with you in those ways? Yeah, it would be quite abstract essentially it would be vibe and asking questions about their life and how they dealt with certain scenarios okay. so it's hit and miss can be hit and miss for sure yeah. you mm. wouldn't know no so the system i've invented does that for you you mm. you define things in the system and it's like an automatic autonomy system and that it creates dynamically the forms and systems in alignment to that And what's even more important is that when you get to performance managing people, or we like to call it um, development now, I think they call it learning and development, not performance management. Evidently people have a resistance to the word and it creates a block in their learning. But (laughs) uh, what you do is, is, is you make the job relevant to them. Yeah. Now at the moment, if you go to any companies, Mm. pretty much all of them, 
uh, and you do a performance review, they'll give the same performance review to everyone across the organisation, except for maybe some few key performance indicators or KPIs that relate to their job that they'll manage them around. All goes well for the first one, yeah? But after that, the people kind of go, what on earth is going on here? Why? Uh, this is just bullshit, right? And they start to disengage, hmm. yeah? And, you know, the managers themselves, you know, the biggest problem with managers in any country of the world is that they have this secret going on that they think they're a bit of a fraud, right? Because people aren't really taught how to manage, hmm. you know, and they, they do the best they can, probably the best manager they've ever had. They'll replicate how they were spoken to and dealt with or maybe the best teacher at school or the best leader they had as the captain of their team that they played in or or whatever or who they just read about and go oh Richard Branson he's amazing I'll do what he says in his book or anybody else yeah mm. um, so getting those things what what's really important is that people feel acknowledged and valued and that it's relevant to them yeah. now to actually do that in an organization is really hard. It's administratively cumbersome and it requires updating things all the time. I mean, if a strategic um, goal in an organisation changes, then so do the job descriptions to turn the behaviours of the people toward the new thing. And that means the way that you recruit for that position changes, the way that you reference mm. check and do contrary evidence against that person's behaviours in previous jobs to validate your interview assessment. That has to change. The performance review changes. Yeah, the development programmes change. The system I've created changes it all in real time, just straight away. Boom. Yeah. That was a good speech, that one. Yeah, and it was well, tailored to my problem too. You'd be good at sales, though. I was. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. the bomb and the... Yeah, yeah I hated sales. I got headhunted from a bank. I was working at a bank and I had these people come in every week and phone me every week <laughs> for three months to try and get me to come and sell life insurance. And um, I was never going to do sales, never going to do sales. I left in the end the bank and went and did that sales job. And then I was... I won... And then I went and I worked for one of the world's the largest recruitment companies and um, I was top in the world for them. Um, and I was very good at sales. But all yeah. I did was give people what they wanted. Mm. Sales isn't about giving people what they don't want. It's about actually identifying what they need and giving them that. Yeah, we did um, that. You, you did an inquiry on me and then highlighted just me stumbling through things. I was like, shit. I have a problem. Well, you, you asked how would it apply to me, and I yeah, just no, no, started good. looking at, well, what's important to you? Well, first you defined the value of responsibility, which incorporated many things, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it basically said um, do it mm. now and uh, and don't shy away from it and own it. You yeah, know? I mean... You, that you, was what it meant to me. Yeah, I mean, you, you highlight a lot of... Um, problems essentially uh and how I approach and turn no it's good though yeah. i like learning yeah so it's like highlighted you know you're there's wiser not, now huh you're wiser now I'm like, yeah every yeah. every yeah. person i meet i learn something might be not what to do sometimes <laughs> but 
so like I think about you know I didn't have a, a clear approach and, and system to attract a certain type of person my values weren't necessarily clearly defined because there's so many offshoots around what that value is and how it looks and how every do you single it. employment problem yeah. can be traced back to the recruitment so yeah, okay. whether you define the job yeah whether you actually because quite often people when they do a recruitment they just replace somebody right they forget that every time somebody resigns is a wonderful opportunity for the business to relook at its strategy its goals mm -hmm. and what it's doing look at a skill matrix or behavioral matrix across the organization of what's required to achieve what the organization's setting out to do look for the gaps in their existing workforce and then find what they need to bring in to complement what they have in their organization again and bring in that new energy and skill set and behaviors to help them achieve their goals. Usually what happens is the businesses are, are freaked out that someone's leaving. The manager is scared that they're being blamed for being a useless manager and that's why they left. So quickly, let's hide the problem as quick as we can and we'll hire someone in and throw them in and just hope like hell this one doesn't fuck up. Yeah. Um, Whereas it's the other way around. You know, you get a job vacancy in your organization, celebrate. This is an opportunity to go back and, you know, hit the ground running again with a clear um, path. So, you know, and somebody leaves an organization, exit interview them, get them independently interviewed when leaving and find out all the reasons that they're leaving and find out because if your manager is the cause of your people leaving, they're costing you an awful lot of money yeah. because retraining, bringing people in, the downtime, you know, the different contacts that your customers deal with in the business perhaps is changing. All these things have an impact and could, you know, shrink your, your client list. So um, hmm. having a good look at it in a different way is, is, you know, looking at things as opportunities. But once again, there's systems that have to be in the place for organizations to do this. And there aren't systems, you know, their managers are their systems in managing predominantly. Um, they might give them some forms, but they don't even teach them how to use them. And the mm. forms are so obligatory that they're not even any good because they're not relevant to people. And the minute people start seeing the irrelevance to a system, they'll start playing the system in the way that they think they can manipulate it to just pass through without drawing any attention to themselves, you know, and the company's losing money on this. And it's it's crazy the amount of money that's spent on wages it's usually a company's mm. biggest expense and yet it's the least invested in for development mm. and you know you look at some of the companies in New Zealand that used to stand out in training like the Fisher and Pikels you know they used to put eight percent of their budget in training mm. you know you don't get anything like that in SMEs or anywhere else yeah you know and usually somebody's got a problem flick them on a training course yeah there's not even any relevance to the training course or any relevance to the behaviors that perhaps caused the problem in the first place yeah. and what's the point in sending someone on a training course if they don't have behaviors to learn or that that pedagogy of learning in that training is going to be something that works for them that that they can learn from 
you know, because a lot of the time people have so much attention and training on their own competence and on their view of what others are thinking of them, they don't have a spare attention particle to learn something new. Hmm. You know, it's not available to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so looking at that holistically is is really important because, you know, there's been a lot of surveys, you know, money, all these sorts of things, you know. Um, but actually feeling valued and heard um, mm. is worth more than money, status, position or anything else. You know, so learning to do this is a really important thing. But, you know, you have to get beside somebody to do that, you know? Yeah. Wow. This is, this is interesting. Definitely interesting chat. We've done um, 51 minutes and we haven't hit the controversy uh. yet. You've made some great points. I mean, cause I always I believe in life you should front foot things because if someone's out there saying something, at least you've got a vehicle now to be like, you know what, listen here. And I don't know anything about it. Whether you, And you can talk about it or not talk about it. Firstly, I think it's quite useful to you know lead into it. So what is this this the thing you warned me of on the call? What are- <laughs> well, I just talked about the fact that, um, you know, like what I've spoken to you about, about empowering people from school up and empowering them in the workforce and everywhere else. They're really, really important things. And a lot of people grow up in our societies believing that's not the life for them. I mean, how is it that some people have money and others don't? How is it that some people uh, can run a business and others can't? You know, Mm. like we have the power in a few and where is the wealth in the world? What's Mm. happening and why does this happen, right? Is it the system? Like, is it the system and the way the system is done? Well, I believe it is. Mm. I believe infrastructurally we have the wrong type of system to educate and develop people. And it needs to be a level playing field, you know, because this small few who control everything, Mm. they know the laws and they use them, right? And how is it, how expensive is it to go to court? You know, if you can't even afford to some time to work on yourself and do your goals in your life because it's not available to you, how on earth are you going to have time to even consider that you could be more than what you currently are now. And what's out there to help you do that? Hmm. There's actually nothing, is there? Nothing at all. No, it's all self, mm-hmm. self-driven. self Everything. Mm. Yeah. So we have a responsibility to help humanity and everybody in it. But for some reason, uh, our governments aren't even structured in a way to even consider such a thing. I mean, I did a proposal regarding the system to our last prime minister before she left, <laughs> as an example. Are you a fan? <laughs> Am I a fan? Don't get controversial. <laughs> on oh, me. Yeah, you can. Yeah, go on. Um, 
And they, they under an OIA, you know, an Official Information Act request, oh, yeah. um, apologised because they turned down the proposal and when I asked under an OIA how they came to a decision to refer me to the government electronic tender service for a new invention about how, you know, we could help New Zealand's intellectual capital, mm-hmm. uh, they told me I had to go and put my proposal through GETS, the government electronic tender service. But you have to have a tender to apply for to do that. So after this back and forth over several months, they came back and said, yes, they were very sorry. It was wrong for them to refer it there. But they still won't consider the proposal. So how, if you can't get politicians to consider a proposal to change the way our government's structured to look at it, how can you even do it? You can't. It's set up for the way it's done currently. And the way it's done currently means New Zealand's not a sovereign nation. It doesn't operate and make its own decisions and choices. Yeah, what what, what makes you that? Well, because we can't change anything. It's all in the structure of the way it's all established. Oh, you got it. You know, with the laws. Yeah, yeah. So like right. the inertia of just staying yeah. as as is, so we can't make decisions because it's just kind of and it's like cherries on top of the ice cream. You can't change. And is the there ice any cream. difference between red and blue? The potato, potato. Are you saying it's the the suits people come in and be like, you know? Well, I'm just wondering who the puppeteer is above yeah. all of them. Who do you think? World Economic <laughs> Forum, BlackRock, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. Uh, yeah. I have no idea. Stay all right. I know is it's not here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's some very interesting things that are about to come out, um, mm. which I think, you know, we've had a lot of people in our politics that are basically being treasonous without a word of a lie. Mm. Treasonous people being influenced by someone. But where's your controversy? Because you did the proposal they Maybe didn't they're want it, which isn't too crazy. Huh? Maybe they're blackmailed. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be hard. Yeah. Like even even appealing to people's self-interest isn't that you know challenging you know you, you understand them a little bit you align it with their identity and then you know now they're doing something and you incrementally do it with compliance later so they do small things and then they're too far down now they do bad things wouldn't well, be that hard let's put it this way ryan you know these <laughs> i've offered the system hoping that the government would be interested mm because they have the infrastructure and systems enable it to be disseminated and make it available to people easily and quickly mm-hmm. using the current structure. Um, talk about banging your head against a brick wall. Oh, yeah, no. You know, it's more like a sledgehammer coming at you. Um, so th- because there seems to be this problem with enabling people to manage their own behavioral file um i thought we'd sell nfts share the revenues and the returns with people through buying an nft Mm. um and make the system free for everybody and and that way what is so important can actually get out there for people to use and see 
and learn how to. They can work on themselves, not in themselves. They can work on their businesses, not in them. They can work on their relationships. They can improve the level of happiness for themselves and those that are important to them. And they can go beyond where they ever thought possible and realize they're far more amazing than they ever thought they were. Are you going to go a different tack? Obviously, the government's not the easiest inertia. Are you going to go around them, go a different way? Well, this is what the idea is about selling these NFTs. Oh, yeah, so then it's public, publicly funded, like by people. Yeah, and it becomes available. Okay. So right. you, like, you, you've got this exchange, let's say Ethereum or whatever, and you're trading these NFTs, and because they're going to appreciate in value, that's a benefit for others, but then it means you don't have to charge for like an ongoing cost of having it. Is that kind of? There's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons it's on the blockchain is because it can't be corrupted. So if you own your personnel file on the system, yeah, yeah, no one can put anything on there without you putting it on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can't get a bad employer giving you a shitty reference check because they don't like you and screwing up your life. Mm. They can't start saying you're this and that at work when you're not because it's clear. See, at the moment, not only do people not follow due process or fair process, they then just follow fair process and still aren't fair. Yeah, I'm helping somebody at the moment um, who's got an employment dispute, um, only because it's a friend of a friend. Um, And I mean, she was about to be done. And she's not even at fault. Because these guys never gave her a job description, never trained her for a role, and then decide to pull something on her because legally they're in trouble for something she did, um, which isn't even relevant because she was never trained to do it anyway. Mm. And the performance reviews she's had over the 10 years she's worked there, they've never given her any feedback on any of the performance reviews anyway, right? But because they were following due process and having the meeting and telling her her side and she was giving her her side and they're following it all through, she was about to lose a job. Hmm. Till I come along and just have a quick word to them and suddenly it's all pulled. Yeah, just because, well, this is the truth of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but people don't know. And it's not even those people in the business not really knowing, you know, because they're not taught either. Those managers weren't taught how to teach these people, mm. right? But it's everybody just blaming everybody else. It's the culture, you know? It's like, we'll just blame it, push it there. This one, you know, that person's going to take the fall. You know, there's always someone taking a fall <laughs> everywhere because that's that's how we do it. Yeah, yeah. We People take falls, you know, and they don't have to. You know, people can actually work together to achieve something. And it's quite magnificent when they do, mm. you know? I agree. I don't know what your time constraint is. I have time. It's two o'clock. Yeah, I'm right. So uh, the the social... And Ash, obviously. <laughs> Ash is good. All right. Um, so the social credit score. So the push pack you might have is you're giving this power to the government that can track in some degree of a person's personal identity and what they're doing and where they act. Uh, no. No. No, no, that was not what I was doing. Okay. No, I went to the government for two reasons. On. One was um, it would give New Zealand a head start over every other country in the world, and I'm a Kiwi. I was born here. 
Uh, and the second uh, reason was because they currently have uh, enterprise schemes with local bodies. Uh, they have all the things all set up. So to be able to transfer this knowledge to them and give them all the tools and then they could use their existing networks was why it just made sense, hmm. right? However, New Zealand government does business with certain providers and then their providers and then they get the door open to them wherever they like and these providers do not like new providers coming in. These providers from overseas, these providers who provide other government services, they like to provide all the services here as well. They don't want uh, anybody else to have that business. So if I refuse to join in partnership with them to do business, they decide to abuse their power and their access to government systems. So uh, that is why uh, I decided to do NFTs. Now the NFTs enable Joe Blogs, anybody, to buy a non-fudgeable token, mm -hmm. which basically is just like proof that they own this. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the NFT is. Yeah, And the NFT has utilities. And what utilities are are basically the terms of the contract. Yeah. So an NFT in our what we're doing, and it's the first one in the world, is where the NFT and the utility is basically a digital contract. And we're enabling the people who own that to get a share of revenues and a share of um, profit mm. in some of them in the transparent democracy systems application. So what that means is is that instead of the system being made free to everybody and owned by the government and done so so that New Zealand can improve its performance and our people can get happier and all of our social indices all of our social indexes improve we thought we'd put some advertising on the side of the website make money that way and allow people to use the system for free and it's the returns off that and some of the consulting that we were to share with people. Because they don't want, and when I say they, mm. I'm talking about the suppliers to government that have control of um, what's going on. It's really weird, you know, we have... A government which says we don't make decisions, um, we we don't make decisions about transactional things in business. They're made by the ministries, but that's not really what happens at all, right? <laughs> but it's done this way so that they can stay out of it. Mm. You need to ask some questions about this because I'm swimming around and, and, it, and, it, and it's starting to make me sound like an idiot. <laughs> I wouldn't say you sound like an idiot. The thing, the questions I would have would be, one would be like, okay, you've got this, um, this NFT, there's a revenue share. Is the revenue share around like, so you're advertising to the users. 
because you've got all these people that are using this so you can advertise and mm-hmm. then they get a revenue share of their basic every taxes. click through yeah 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 so yeah as as a financial advisor I always worry about you know the underlying currency that is supported because it's not on dollars it's usually in some sort of underlying well no you can go on to OpenSea and you can use your visa card and pay with dollars and buy some ethereum and purchase it yeah so the ethereum that transaction from dollars to ethereum yeah like if it was just stayed dollars and you, there was another way to have still have a blockchain without it being tied into a cryptocurrency, which I haven't really seen something done. Yeah, that's when I feel more comfortable because there's a lot of volatility, uncertainty. Ethereum goes under, maybe you swap it over to something else, but there's still that investor risk and that sort of greed mentality that I worry about. You know? Yeah. So, but if it was like I understand the smart contract component, mm-hmm. I understand that the underlying thing is actually owned by the user. I think there's real utility in that and also social proof. Hey, I own this thing. I have the ticket from Woodstock. It's the original ticket. I can prove it. Well, that makes sense to me. As soon as it put onto a thing with variation on and appeals to greed, then I'm like, mm. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it appeals to greed or, or where well, you're going with that. the advertising and then the Ethereum potentially going up in price or going down in price. Right. So you put in $100, but then it's only worth 50 or it goes up to a thousand, and it's like a gamble on what that will do. And then even though you have well, there's a trading ban until the end of 2026 anyway, because it isn't about that. Okay. Right, and we have a trading ban on it because it's about us achieving what we wish to do rather than it becoming a tradable commodity. And the reason we've done this is so that it isn't interrupted. You see, I, there are many, many times I've had people approach wishing to invest lots of money in uh, what I'm doing, but they wish to have A shares and they wish to have uh, control of the company. This is about the human spirit and the development of the human spirit and people. This is about equality and real transparency and eliminating corruption. I don't want that screwed with. So for that reason, we've gone with NFTs so that the company can stay pure in its intent and what it's doing. Right? We don't want a BlackRock coming along and snipping us up and then throwing us out because for them, it suits the government to continue to spend an extra $5 billion a year on their software systems and programs mm. than use my system, which will eliminate the use of them having to spend that $5 million, right? Or $5 billion, mm. yeah? Uh, they wish to make it complicated. They don't wish people to have easy things. They wish to have... Uh, problems and ups and downs and fear and they wish to talk about what you were talking about as your financial with your financial hat on where they want there to be risk Mm. they want there to be unmanageable risk Mm. they don't want people to be in control Mm. right they like to be in control and they control it through how they manipulate everything else Mm, interesting mm. well um we, we are coming to a conclusion which is a horrible i i i'm trying to be more you know less agreeable shall we say like more just speaking how i feel and then i like i like the idea of um you know the underlying driver on helping people and empowering them and having clear systems and processes that do that i do think there's a fundamental f- flaw in the way things are done currently um 
I can't get there with you on the NFT. So if you want to have the closing remark, <laughs> the last word. Well, you know, I, the NFTs are, are not about trading in Ethereum. They're about owning a right to receive a return. Yeah. And those returns will be paid to your wallet and whatever you like. Right. You can have it cashed to your bank account for a week here. It doesn't bother us, right? This this Ethereum thing and this NFT thing is not associated with the risks you're talking. This is not an art piece. This is the re, the rights to returns from a a trading company, which the NFT holders have the right to to collectively vote for independent director res, representation on the board, so that they can. Um, be sure that there's good governance and that things are transparent but it's not about trading in crypto it's about um, having access to certain things on the blockchain so it cannot be corrupted hacked into or infiltrated that's the purpose of it yeah it's not about trading on on in cryptocurrencies it's about protecting things and keeping them transparent that's the idea of the blockchain cool well thanks for coming on okay <laughs> we're done. Hey, cool. i'll leave your um your website in the description too Bye. thank you